We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. It is so good to have you with us here today as always. Uh, Now, as we get started here today, uh, we're going to be picking back up our study of Habakkuk. Now, to refresh your memory, we're looking at you know Habakkuk as he's boldly questioning God because the evil that he's seeing every day in his life and because of how it's shaken his faith. I mean, it's rattled him to his core. So he's starting to have doubts. And he's asking God really hard questions now. You know, the, those hard questions that... You know, sometimes even we are are hesitant to ask. And as we started to see in the last chapter, you know, God started to answer some. And we're we're going to see in this chapter, what we're studying today, the whole thing is all God answering him now. So we're definitely getting into those bold answers now. Now, in addition to that, you know, let's... Let's let's just step back for a second. I want to remind you, at this point, Judah had been ruled by four kings who rejected God and oppressed their own people. Were absolute horrible, horrible people. They didn't care. They were they were just vile uh, people. They were, they were horrible, weak leaders that had led their people. Um, were leading their people astray and into ruin and away from God. And they were about to be put into submission by an empire that was noted for their viciousness and cruelty. Uh, matter of fact, an empire uh, that, you know, had really risen to become the most vicious and the most cruel. And, and Habakkuk was wondering, you know, where's God in all this? We see this happening. Where is he? What's going on? Where's he been? Why doesn't he do anything? And, and he's learning that in faith, in God alone, that God will provide for him, and not only for that, you know, for that, but for for that matter, he will provide for us as well, and, and he he will provide the answers that were so desperately needed. So we're going to go ahead today, and we're going to jump right back into the scripture. We're going to pick up where we left off. So I, I invite all of you all to join me here in turning to uh, the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2. Again, this chapter is a record about God's answers to the questions that Habakkuk had about the things that had him doubting in his faith, you know, and the evilness that he was seeing and what he knew was going to come. And, and if you recall, in chapter 1, he had already asked you know, how long these evil things and these horrible people were going to go unchecked. And, and, you know, why Judah was going to be punished by a nation that was even more evil than what Judah had become. That strayed even further away, you know, and it just completely turned its back on God. Now... God had answered that the judgment, you know, had had been slow coming. As we'd say today, it had been a long time coming. All right? And while Judah was going to be punished 
for its own transgressions, God also noted, you know, that he was aware of Babylon's misdeeds and that in time, in their time, you know, well, really in the Lord's time, but there was going to come a time that they would be punished as well. And and at the end of the chapter, Habakkuk was still taking issues to God. He was still asking questions. It's something we all need to do. You know, remember, prayer is how we talk to God. That is how we, we get that conversation going. That is also how we develop, you know, and improve our relationship with Him, just like anybody else. Communication is key. And we, again, prayer is how we communicate with God. Now, just like Habakkuk, you know, you don't need special words. You just need to talk to Him. You know, like I said, you can't be in a, in a relationship with anybody. And that includes Jesus. If you don't talk to them, how do you know people if you don't talk to them? How do they get to know you? You don't talk to people. Communication is key in any relationship. A, a lot of relationships today, it's because communication fails. People aren't communicating the way that they need to, and they start fighting. And what happens? Well, you know, more and more so, especially this day and age, we see people divorcing and splitting up and so on and so forth, you know, fighting. So, um, again, join me in uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. And as we read here, I'm going to quickly go over some translation differences during the read as well. So I I will interject those um, as we go through so that we're not having to go back to go back through them all. All right. So Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, I will stand my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint or and what answer uh, what to answer when I am rebuked. All right. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald or so that whoever reads it may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end. It will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It, or though he linger, wait for him. He um, will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will will live by his faithfulness, or it might just say faith. Uh, Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. At this point, you know, Habakkuk, he's stopped asking questions. He's brought... Every concern, every complaint, you know, everything that was burning him, he's, he's brought it all to God. And now he's making a declaration that he's just, he's going to stand by. He's going to wait for God um, to answer him and, or to send his answers. You know, in military terms, it's, it's what we, we, you know, what we refer to as hurry up and wait. You know, stand by to stand by. He's vented everything he needed to. He's, he's gotten those frustrations out. It's off of his chest. It's now, you know, at the feet of the Lord, you know, and, and there comes... You know, there's there's a certain peace um, that comes with that. You know, um, you get it all off, and it's just like, okay, there it is. It's out there. Um, 
and, and that's what it means to leave your troubles at the feet of the Lord. You know, it's it's not necessarily that your troubles are gone, but you know, you just take it all and you leave. It's like, hey, Lord, this is it, and you put it there. You put it out there. You have to communicate them, though. Um, you know, also, you know, the image of the watchman here. You know, the the image of the watchman on the watchtower. You know, it's awesome, isn't it? I mean, it's just absolutely awesome. I love this image. You know, it just it evokes that imagery. You know, of a of a soldier or a sentry just standing there and guarding his post. You know, lo- looking out for the well-being of the camp and you know everyone within it. Just on on the alert and ready to just you know send up send up the alarm. You know, if, if something happens or something suspicious is needing you know or happening happening. Uh, you know, it's it's in, in the military or at least in the Marine Corps, it, it's often what we refer to as a, a fire watch. All right, now. With that said, I, I don't know about you, but j- just the thought of that, you know, f- fires up a little a little Hendrix in the in the back of my mind as well. You know, all, uh, all along the watchtower, you know, which in, in itself, if you're not familiar with the song, you know, it's it's filled with biblical imagery as well. You know, a little background on that: Hendrix is not the one who wrote who wrote it. It was actually written by Bob Dylan. Um, you know, after you know when he was in recovery after an accident, as I recall. Um, but you know, it's it's also Often compared to um, Isaiah chapter twenty-one verses five through nine, um, which which reads very similar to the song, and you can actually read it to the same tune if you you know if you tried. Uh, it's not that hard, you know. But you know, watchmen would stand on walls or ramparts. They they man watchtowers where they could look out and they could see for long distances. You know, they can identify all the people that are coming and going, things that stood out as suspicious. Um, you know, trying to identify people as friend or foe, um, that sort of thing. You know, and, and watchmen on the city walls, you know, are something common throughout the Bible as well. You know, when when we see prophetic visions of impending destruction you know destruction coming towards you um you know they're they're the sentries who would typically see trouble coming um you know first so and as you know as christians we're all spiritual watchmen and, and we need to be vigilant to spiritual dangers you know uh not only for individuals or ourselves, but for the church as a whole. While we look for ways to com- complete God's work. So, you know, it's something that we need to be very vigilant to. We need to be on the alert to. You know, th- these guardians, you know, they also paint a picture of, of expectation. You know, because they're, they're, they're out there. They're, they're watching. They're anticipating something going on. You know, we've we've all heard prepare for the worst and hope for the best, and and that's what's being illustrated here. Habakkuk was standing vigilant while waiting and watching for a response from God. He's also a great demonstration of how to best position yourself to receive what the Lord is sending you. You know, we all need to make sure we're in a good place, not only to see but to be able to listen and actually hear. What God is saying in response to our prayers, you know, we we need to pay extra attention because He may not be sending us an answer in a way that we expect, let alone the answer that we expect. You know, not, nothing's changed since Habakkuk's time. You know, every day we leave our homes, we go out to the world, 
You know, we listen to the radio, we watch TV, uh, we stream information from the web on our phones and tablets. Um, you know, and, and it seems like the bad guys are winning. There's just so much, you know, just evil, you know, just these absolute heinous things that are just going on uh, every day. You know, sin is so prevalent and it's so accepted that they're just there's. It seems like there's just no room for good guys, you know, and there's these big pushes for, you know, trying to force people to accept sin as being okay. And like Habakkuk, we feel that same discouragement, that same hopelessness. We we get angry, but we feel like there's nothing we can do. Even in elections, we accept this garbage two-party deal and buy into the nonsense—you know—the nonsense that these are the best people for the job, the only ones that you know we could or should vote for, and that anything else, you know, is a waste or lesser than. So you know, we 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 accept that, and we remain powerless and voiceless in our nation while these evil leaders just do whatever they want. Um, and take advantage of the system and take advantage of people. You know, Habakkuk, he took his complaints to God. And we, as Christians, we should be doing the same thing. We need to be aware that the answer hasn't changed. His answer then is the same now. And it says, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Meanwhile, we sit here and we forget, and, you know, and in, in the words of the old Cranberry song, do you have to let it linger? You know, it, it, we need to keep in mind, it's not in our timing. It's never in our timing as much as we want it to be, as much as we'd like to see, see things happen right now in front of us. It's in his timing, the Lord's timing. It, it's his time and it's to his glory, not ours, but his Yes, things are ugly out there. However, God has shown time and time again that he will take care of his children. And we have that hope because of it. The punishment of evil will come. The Babylonians would fall. You know, we're, 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 we're in a time now where we're past that and history has shown that that's exactly what happened. And, and as verse 4 says, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. As Christians, we need to stand fast. We need to hold on to our faith and let it be tested. Ever think about that? Letting your faith be tested to let you know uh, our weaknesses, my weaknesses, your weaknesses, all of our weaknesses be shown so that we're better aware of where the enemy is going to attack us so that we're better prepared to look to Jesus for help and for comfort in our storms when we need that protection. You know, everything that God is allowing is ultimately going to his work and to his purposes for each and every one of us and his glory. His glory. Join me now. We're going we're gonna to go back in here to Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, we're going to look now at verses 6 through 8. So Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says, Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up 
stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Plain and simple, God doesn't like it when people acquire their wealth dishonestly. Notice I said acquire, not earn, because it's, there is a difference. Acquire. It's kind of a nice way of saying steal, right? And just as we learned in the, in the book of uh, Nahum, greed is a vicious sin. And depending on your translation, this passage may very well say pledges or loans instead of extortion. This is because part of how the Babylonians built their wealth was through other people's money. Essentially, the way it was supposed to work, you know, the, the way they, they masked it or shrouded it was that the Babylonians would, quote-unquote, loan people things in exchange for their money. And the stipulation would be that they could use that money as they saw fit if that other party could not repay the loan. Now, the reality of that was that they would force people to pay these as pledges. And then they would force their victims to pay things that, you know, pay things that they didn't actually own. You know, they're, so they're, they're paying for goods that they didn't actually have or, you know, they're, they're being squandered, basically. They're being, you know, uh, robbed. You know, it sounds an awful lot like government today and taxes, doesn't it? Say, oh, you're going to have to pay all this, and we're going to do this, that, and the other. You know, we're going to have a, you know, people who aren't even politicians being able to take advantage of using the secret service as security and getting escorts and things like that. You know, we we see a lot of things that you know we we question. You know, uh, how much money is actually used for the certain things that we're being told it is. You know, suddenly, you know, we don't have money to to help out with things that people in our nation need, but we suddenly have all this other money to, to send to others. It's like, what's going on, right? Very much like government. That government, compared to our government, and not just ours, but governments around the world for that matter. Things haven't changed. They just haven't. Uh, picking back up here in verse 9, so Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verse is 9 through 14. Yeah, 14 here. The Bible says... Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. 
Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, again, Babylon built its wealth by exploiting and hurting others, manipulating and taking advantage of people and their circumstances and so on. Uh, you know, something to keep in mind because just as these were more strikes against Babylon when judgment came, these are the same kinds of things that are going to be strikes against us if we give in to the same sins. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, For the love of money is a root, and of all kinds of evil, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, the money, it, it's not the money it's, it, that's the sin. It's the love of it that is the sin. The, the greed is the sin. It, you know, it's the idol that just it, it, it takes over and it consumes the person it touches. And, and this is an idol, like all idols, but you know, that God just absolutely condemns. And, and not only that, but the means of which people use to get wealthy, to get money, you know, to, to, to give in when they give in and they cave to this idol and they just want to keep building that wealth. Um, you know, if, if you think about it, it's very much like a drug. You think, you know, if you take a moment and you think of all the, the heinous things that people will do for drugs, and there's some pretty gnarly things that addicts will do. Now, what do those, you know, those in power do to get more? Well, they lie, they cheat, and they steal. Not a whole lot of difference there, is there? Now, they might get laws passed saying that what they're doing is legal and to, to force your hand so that you have to, you know, pay these taxes and everything. And, you know, and it's it's okay if they're, they're behind, you know, if they're behind on following through on their promises and their delivery dates, you know, or, you know, they just don't do it at all. But you you better not be. I better not be, you know, or else that, that interest is going to accrue or we're going to, you know, face other penalties, you know, the Others inflate prices and they they gouge at the pumps. Uh, I, I could go on because it's not just government, you know. Like I said, you think of gas and you look at what ga- gas prices do. It's like, oh, it's okay for it to be cheap here, but then you know, expensive here, or you know, this type of gas, which really isn't that much different, you know, but versus this, and uh, so there's so many things that go into it here. Uh, I, I could go on and on at great length here. The point is, money is a tool, and we should use it as such and then move along. Not, you know, don't don't let the drive for more take control of you. Don't, you know, not not give in to that. You know, oh, I need I need more. Oh, how much does this job pay? Oh, I yeah, I, I'm not making enough. I need a different job. You know, for forever chasing that buck, um, it, it will lead you down a path of ruin that you don't want to go down. And, and a lot of us are already on it. And we really need to stop and reevaluate where we are. Um, you know, so back into Habakkuk chapter two here. Um, when, when we look at verse fourteen specifically. If you noticed, he quotes Isaiah 11, 
verse 9. So Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9, you know, and, and this is when he prophesied about the day that the Lord returns and that money is, is no longer going to mean anything. It's not going to be a, an item of concern. It's not going to be anything. You know, if, you know, matter of fact, let's let's take a moment here uh, to, to look at the, the full passage. Turn with me here to um, Isaiah chapter 11. A second here. Turn here as well. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 11. And we're actually going to look at verses 6 through 10. So the Bible says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people or ensign depending on where you're at and how you pronounce that two it shall the Gentile seek and his rest shall be glorious it's the golden age that's going to come when Christ returns. Think about it. children. Our children can go out and play in safety. They go out and do whatever they want. And nobody is going to be taken advantage. Everyone's needs will be met. There will be no more pain. No more suffering. Even with animals. There will be no need to wonder, hey, is it going to be safe to pet that animal or let alone approach it? You know, everyone and everything will be living in peace and perfect harmony. People, animals, plants, weather, everything as it was always meant to be. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I mean, it's absolutely incredible. We'll all be in perfect fellowship with Jesus, each other, and all of creation. All right, guys. We're going into the home stretch here. All right, so let's look at Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 19. The Bible says, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin until they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink. And let your nakedness be exposed. Some texts may say and stagger here. All right? The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you. And disgrace will cover your glory. 
The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Is it covered with gold and silver? There is no breath in it. Idol tree is pushed aside by way too many these days. People don't recognize what it is anymore. It's just you know, it's just one of those words that it doesn't seem to make sense to a lot of people, especially you know, well, especially to the non-believer. You know, sports, uh, TV, film, music, uh, you know, books. You know, especially those that glorify other sins, uh, cars, clothing, jewelry. Oh. Here's a big, uh, a big one. Some of y'all might like, might not, not like the word that I'm about to use. Makeup. Now, before I get further here, I'm not saying makeup in and of itself is bad. It's not. It's perfectly fine. By all means, you know, knock yourself out. You know, a bit here, a bit there. That's fine. But by now, you know what I'm talking about. That that vanity of oh, I you know I, I got to put my face on or I don't have my eyebrows on yet or. Oh, this color doesn't match what I'm wearing, and so on and so forth. You know that that just absolute that, that vanity that kicks in here, uh, which is a sin. You know, um, some of you have drawers with hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars worth of different makeups. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it's not cheap either. Some of you have lipstick on that costs more than the shoes that a lot of us are wearing. To be quite honest, it's not just that that though. Some of you with your video games are in the same boat. Um, you know, a lot of you have hobbies that are no, no better. No better whatsoever. See, idolatry, it's not just bending the knee to false gods. You know, it's, it's trusting or relying on anything other than God. You know, say, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not pretty enough, so I got to put on this. Or, you know, even guys, you know, I got to dress a certain way, I got to shave a certain way, or do my hair up a certain way. You know, people get really, really into these things, and they spend a ton of money because they care more about that image. You know, spending the bulk of your time with something other than God—that's an idol. You know, depending on uh, something to get you through more than God, idol. We can have a long talk about a lot of things here, and I do mean a lot. Um, you know, not even just hours. We could talk for days. There's so many things out there, weeks even, months. In the end, though, it, it comes down to us becoming selfish and trusting that we can do things on our own and in our own way. We put our trust into things and banks and properties and universities and businesses and organizations um, you know, uh, legal entities, politicians, so on and so forth. You know, all these other people and places and things. Um, and yet, we want to say that we worship God, but we're depending on all these others and all these other things to take care of us, and not God. So, 
we all need to step back and evaluate our lives. Do I trust that God will provide or am I hoping to get lucky because I said a few words and others are going to see my deeds? Well, there's a good one right there, right? You know, do I trust in God or do I trust in all this this other stuff that's been made by man? You know, the 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 fact is idols they have no life of their own. They have no identity. You know, other than the identity that people build up and give to them. Uh, you know, kind of like a kid with a stuffed animal. Uh, no power. They have no power. They ha- they can't actually do anything for any of us. They are, you know, either empty, hollow vessels or solid pieces of matter like wood, stone, steel, and so on. Uh, you know, but they, they are devoid of all life. People build temples to their idols. Think about coliseums. Museums, these grandiose buildings, fancy cars that very few people can afford. You know, there's a ton of stuff out there that they build, you know, with their name, you know, or the, the, the new name, you know, that's so popular these days uh, for, for, you know, as they call it, their brand. Yeah, every, you know, that's a lot of people talk about that, you know, build your brand. In other words, worship yourself. You know, the, the enemy did something really sneaky there, didn't he? I'm really sneaky. There, again, though, there's no life in these idols. But God, God is very much alive. God is powerful. He's all powerful. He is real. Well, idols, you know, idol, I should say, idolaters, look at something to take care of them, to get them through, and then go on to the next big thing when it doesn't happen. We as Christians are really different in that respect. We don't need anything or anyone else we look to jesus you know why idolaters are running their mouths and trying desperately to figure out how to save themselves christians come to god and, you know and, and really you know we, we look up to him in, in awe and wonder that we don't have to run our mouths because we already know that we're we're provided for that god's going to take care of us we know we're good to go you know, God, God's in control. Jesus knows what he's doing. And where all these idols, these false gods, have no voice, and, and they can't speak to the lost, God, on the other hand, is you know, working. He's hard at work, and he's speaking all the time. Just like Habakkuk, we can take our questions, our needs, our frustrations, our complaints to him, but then afterwards, we need to be quiet and we need to listen while we wait for the answer or the answers that he's going to provide or that, you know, he does provide for us. You know, and sometimes that's a trick though, isn't it? Shutting our mouths so that we can actually hear. Psalm 37 verse 7, um, the Bible says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Be still. Be still. Underline that. Highlight it. Put a little box on it, something that you know you come back to and it catches your eye. Be still is really it's it's a nice way of saying shut up and sit down. 
Let the walkers walk and the talkers talk, but as Christians, shut up and sit down. Have a seat, close your mouth, and listen. Just listen. Listen to what God is saying. Listen to what God's telling us. Listen to what he's telling you, what he's telling me. He says a lot, but we need to listen, and we need to listen to hear. All right, we're going to read our last verse here for today. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, after hearing from God, Habakkuk was done talking. He was quiet. He was at peace. He was at peace. Just like, okay, here we go. Praise Jesus. We're good. He was able to relax a bit. A bit. He was, you know, he found that, that, that peace that only God can provide. He had no more questions. He had no more complaints. You know, God answered his questions. And not only that, but he recognized that he was in the presence of God. His relationship with God was restored. There was no more doubt. There was no more wonder. He unloaded his burden. God provided the answer. The bridge had been mended. And he was good to go. His faith was restored. And like him, all of us, you, me, the entire world for that matter, we need to learn to be quiet in his presence as well. Everyone in the temple became silent when God came into their presence. Why? Contrary to all the noise that's out there that so many places like to put out, silence actually helps us to worship. That's why during a lot of services, especially towards the end, there's usually a point that, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're in the middle of, you know, or towards the end of a service, at some point there's always, well, not always, but usually there's a point that we get to when the noise stops. You know, the, the, the preacher starts moving things and he might even say, you know, let's go into a, a time of silence here. You know, uh, usually, you know, it's like, you know, hey, you know, it's all... Uh, bow our heads and close our eyes, you know, and you know, uh, and pray, um, you know, and we pray. As Christians, we pray. That's our conversation again with God, and, and we voice ourselves to the Lord. We voice our concerns, everything that's on our, you know, our burdens, the whole, the whole bit, even the things that we're thankful for. But we, we, we take everything that's on our mind, on our heart, that's weighing on us. And we pray and we leave it for the Lord. And then we become quiet ourselves. Our thoughts, our desires, our fears, anything and everything running through our minds is silenced. And if it's not, it should be. We need to silence that stuff so that we can listen for what God has to tell us. There's no room for noise, not even background noise. When we open up ourselves and God fills our hearts and our minds with his presence. All right. Now, now I'm not saying, oh, you can't listen to music in the background or anything like that. Because there's, there's certain things that bring that peace to us and help us to silence everything else. Um, you know, out. So, you know, we need to be... St- we all have questions. Let me put it. We, we all have questions. We all have complaints. We all have fears that need answers. And God will provide them. He will. Sometimes they're a little delayed. 
like in the book of Daniel. You know, however, God will provide an answer. So we need to be still and we need to listen for his voice as we look to Jesus. And, and we need to be prepared to receive an answer that we aren't expecting or possibly won't like. Not just listen to what we're told, but actually hear what we're being told. There is a difference between listening and hearing. God knows what we need. He knows before we even ask. And like a good parent, because he, set he sets that example for all the good parents out there, he's simply waiting for us as his children to take our, take our questions to him, to talk to him, to tell him what's going on. You know, I'll put it to you this way. For those of you who have kids, you'll know you know exactly what I'm talking about here. For those of you who don't, think back to when you're growing up and you went to your parents for certain things. You know, there there is those times when a child goes to their parents and as soon as they start to talk or ask about anything, the parent already has an answer for them. They already know exactly what their child is talking about or asking for. God is no different. He just wants you to reach down and have the courage to open your mouth. Just talk to him. He loves you. The Father loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He'll take care of you. You simply need to start the dialogue and then wait patiently and quietly for the answer. Jesus is in control. Keep your eyes on him. Don't focus on what uh, on the storm around you. Focus on Jesus. All right. That, now that's all we have for this week. Next week we're going to finish our series here on Habakkuk, and we're going to look at his prayer of faith as we pull everything in together. Remember, you are loved. Now go and be the church. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. We'll catch you next time. God bless.